Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, Millionaire Mindcast fam? Welcome into today's Wealth Building Wednesday. Mr. Breedwell, my co-host. How we doing, brother? Doing well. Doing really good. Alive and well, enjoying some of the cooler weather and the rain. We got a little wetness and moisture coming into Cali, which we need big time. Big time. Isn't it funny how we get excited about fucking rain in California now? Well, I just, I know we need it because it's been, it's just been a really dry winter. Not that I don't, I like it a lot when it rains, but we need a little bit more rain than this so we can enjoy our summer. So there's not so many fires. Yep. It's kind of the way it goes in California. If we have low rainfall, we have lots of smoke, and then we don't get to enjoy our I saw a headline the other day already coming out of CNN that was like, you know, when uh, we had those crazy fires last year, really, it's been the last few years in a row, but crazy fires last year, our skyline looked like apocalyptic. It was like orange and fire and smoke. and red sun. The worst air quality, I think, in the history of the United States. It was worse than China last year. And they were already, the big headline this year was get ready for worse fires and air quality than the last two years combined. I'm like, oh, beautiful. Can't wait. Groominess. I know. And it's, (laughs) I mean, the last couple days, I haven't heard of any big fires, but we had lots of wind. And it was very dry. So I'm glad those fires broke out because it was like really good weather for that. Yeah. So, Well, welcome into the show. If you are new to the podcast, as always, we love connecting and linking with new Millionaire Mindcast members that are all focused on the money. On the money. We love the money. We love talking about the money on this show because at the end of the day, money is what makes the world go round. And Mm -hmm. if you are not stewarding and owning the responsibilities of your capital in the way that you should, you're ultimately not going to be able to unlock the greatest luxuries of life, the greatest impacts that you can make with your money, 
And of course, if legacy is important to you, finding ways to pass those on to future generations. That's what we love to focus on here. And we got some updates in terms of what's going on in the market, some big reports coming out the next few weeks that ultimately are going to be somewhat of the crystal ball for where the market is headed. Ryan's got some updates on that. We've got some updates on what's going on with the real estate market. We're starting to see some trends, guys. Starting to see some trends that I knew and have been talking about for quite some time as this you know, helicopter money got dropped from the sky at some point in time. One, it was going to have to find a home, but two, somebody was going to have to pay for, it. pay for the repercussions of that helicopter money getting put into uh, rotation. So we'll be talking about how that is starting to trickle into the real estate markets, how that's trickling into the financial markets. Uh, I was paying attention this week thinking that Mr. Elon Musk was going to come in and get on the board and clean house and do all the things that he was going to do. And he actually declined the Twitter board this week saying that... Last night. Yeah. Saying that he didn't want to join the board. And I was like, man, so what, what does that mean? And you kind of shared a little bit more context to it of, oh, he can still go in and clean house. He can still go in and do yeah. some things That's normally what people in a do. different way. So what does that mean for why Mr. Musk decided to decline joining the Twitter board? I don't know why specifically he did it. I know one of the hangups was that they were going to require a full background check into SpaceX. and He didn't want to spend the time doing that. I, I thought that was funny when I read that. I was like, oh, you need to do a background check on Elon Musk. Okay. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. You know, they're going through their fiduciary as a board, right? Yeah. To protect the shareholders, but pretty sure uh, he's, he's got a relatively qualified background in the world yeah and then i think on top of that there were some other things um but normally if that happens if somebody takes that large of a of a position in that company and then they don't join the board especially when offered a position at the board um some people may assume that it's indicative of a rating of the board where they replace board members with more favorable um, board members that think more like them or have a trajectory on the company in a similar fashion as them. So we shall see. Time will tell. It'll be very interesting. Um, I would love for him to replace the current CEO who's just a fucking jackass. Um, I mean, dude, I don't care who you are or what you are. Just like, you know, chill on the... Oh, he's just extreme liberal, he's, far left. Yeah. Not even like I wouldn't want somebody that's super left. far right. I just don't want anybody like that. There's no I don't I just want for a normal person. that size. Yeah. For the issues that have been had with mainly censorship on the Twitter platform, he he's been probably the loudest and most outspoken proponent of censorship. Yeah. And really far leaning left policy within the organization. Correct. Yeah. Socialists. Um, yeah, so just keep it real. I don't, I don't, I'm not down with that. Um, and I don't think Elon's down with that either. I think like open forum and debate, he's obviously down with because he always argues with people and he's down to be right most of the time. And then he's wrong when he's wrong and he makes an articulate point and mm-hmm. moves on. Yeah. Do you see any response in terms of the stock price to one? What's kind of has it settled down over the course of the last week? And is there any I know Tesla's stock price took a little bit of a 
beating. Um, but it's also, it, it, it fell and then it's, it's up today while Tesla's down. So, I mean, I don't know. It popped when they found out he was going to join and then it's, it's down when they found out he wasn't then up a little bit in, in midday. I just don't think that that was as important as what will happen long term or what will the changes that he will affect in the company and what will that do to the company's culture and, and values and stuff. The probably the craziest thing that could happen like to their stock is if he somehow got when I mean, I've seen the video meme of him reinstating Trump's Twitter account. <laughs> Dude, I think that would send the stock sorting. Like it may double it. It would be, I don't know. I don't know. I think that'd be that's pure speculation, but I think that would be very interesting to see that happen. Um, it would be the right thing to do as well. Just let everybody get on Twitter, um, do their thing. And I think that if it, he can figure that out, he was saying that he thought, you know, Twitter was dying for the younger generation because mm-hmm. he, what he pointed out a couple of people, one of them being like Justin Bieber, is like Justin Bieber hasn't used his Twitter account for ever. And he's a huge influence to a younger generation and it's mostly older people. So we, that's a problem. He's like, it, he, he didn't say, but I think he was like kind of referencing, we don't want to be Facebook, which is mainly for old people now. I don't use Facebook because my mom took it over. She rules <laughs> Facebook. She sent me a picture the other day. Yeah, this popped up in my Facebook memories of me playing sports in high school. And I'm like, great. <laughs> that, that's a little foreshadowing as to who the core user base is. Yeah. Facebook's got some challenges ahead of them, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they all do. Um, all of those companies do that have had that massive growth during this odd time politically, socially, and then economically. And then we have, you know, what is, what do those companies do and provide? What kind of services are they going to provide? We have the metaverse that's now floating out there. So interesting times ahead for sure. Absolutely. I thought it was interesting, you know, kind of thinking, it made me think back to um, the Netflix series of How to Become a Tyrant Mm -hmm. when Musk, bought this and I can't remember if it was like an, a video or, or some little snippet where he referenced this of basically one of the, you know, the episodes consisted of seizing power and it was, you know, Adolf Hitler. It was crush your rivals, Saddam Hussein, reign through terror. It was, uh, I think the Ugandan president. Um, but the one that I found really interesting and applicable to kind of the world that we're living in right now is uh, control the truth. And Joseph Stalin, you know, back in the day found controlling the truth through public relations, buying all of the media outlets, controlling and owning all of the media outlets, um, basically was, you know, a way to one kind of manipulate the narrative to be loved, but also to kind of keep people in fear and yep. right. And we kind of see that happening in Russia. One right now, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's literally there's only <laughs> the narrative is only going through one one mouth, and that's the Kremlin's right now. Yep. And we kind of saw this two party, you know, political system within the U.S. throughout COVID, right? And we'll just keep it high level: Fox News and CNN, and they both kind of had their own stream of narrative and quote unquote truth. Yep. And we saw essentially. The people who subscribe to those kind of outlets and ideologies of those platforms were in lockstep with screw masks, you know, um, no lockdowns, you know, 
hated the left, vice versa, you're killing my grandma, you're an enemy of the me or the, the country, or mm-hmm. right, like you're a conspiracy theorist. And so I found it very interesting because he had made reference to that a little bit of like, I need to own essentially a social media platform or a platform of narrative in order to, when properly, you know, run, keep our amendment of free speech, you know, just that. Because his kind of main point of why he felt he needed to do that was to protect the, you know, amendment of free speech. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought that was interesting because I get excited when I see people using their money for good. And to me, he's somebody that absolutely uses their money for good in a way to change and evolve and grow the world in a way that is rooted in, you know, I don't want to say practicality, but it's rooted in the fact that he wants to make things better for people. And it doesn't seem too far left or right, but, you know, relatively down the middle of the fairway that he's, you know, trying to serve humanity as a whole. And those are the kind of leaders that I feel like we need. And so you saw Jeff Bezos, right, who purchased Washington Post, what was it, last year? It was a couple of years ago. A couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. But you're starting to see, right, some, some different players come in and throw big checks at media, understanding, right, the weight that it can have. Facebook and Meta was obviously a perfect example of yep. they had the ability to control what was going down in, you know, um, COVID and, you know, the war of Ukraine. So I find it very interesting because, you know, when you control the media, you can not only control the truth, but you can eliminate you know, what's really going on. A perfect example is what's going down in China right now. Correct. You know, in Shanghai, they've been on lockdown. Nobody talks about this in the media, but they've been on lockdown for three weeks. And they lockdown of Shanghai is over 26 million people. And lockdown, like there's videos surfacing of like authorities literally like sealing people into their homes with like barbed wire wrapped around the staircases. And like, Drones flying around with facial recognition, telling them that they literally need to stay inside and to fight their urge for fun freedom. and freedom. Yeah. And this is for the health of the country. They can't even go out on their balconies. Uh, I saw a report that um, the some people over there are reporting that like you can't even get food deliveries, medicine deliveries. Watermelon like, was costing $100 for a watermelon. Just like kind of crazy stuff, but they had 25,000 cases in one day and they've been locked down for three weeks. Like, how is that even possible? And so when that got reported, all kinds of people started like protesting and rioting. And But again, China controls the narrative. So you're not hearing any of this in Western media. Mm-mm. So very interesting times. But I think it's important to you know have good leaders investing in great companies. And I would be bullish on, I am more now on Twitter because when you see leadership and what's Jack Dorsey out, Elon Musk in, that's a good thing. That's a big, that's a big uh, transition, you know, from, from one pendulum side to the other. We also saw, I saw some interesting, you know, reports come out this week in terms of just kind of a fun fact of, um, the ratings of who handled COVID best. Mm-hmm. And kind of how their economies fared. And what do you guys think is going to be the number one state? Do you know? I know who, well, let me think. I think the number, wasn't it Utah? 
Utah was number one. So this is the National Bureau of Economic Research just released an interesting study on COVID-19 handling. So basically, here's what the study took into account, just so you guys can understand kind of what variables tied into the equation of how they ranked states. So the study analyzed the economy, the education system, and the mortality rate of each individual state. From an economic performance, they used two measures, unemployment and GDP by state for education. They used a single metric, which was the Burbio cumulative in-person instruction percentage. And then for mortality, they used two measures, COVID-associated deaths reported to the CDC and all-cause excess mortality. So uh, let's see, you got number one right, um, who handled it the best. And the top three states that handled it the best, uh, let's see, we had Utah, Vermont, New England, and Vermont were the leaders. New England? Nebraska. Nebraska, sorry. (laughs) What? We don't have fucking New England. New England. Yes, no. Utah, Nebraska, Vermont. um, And the bottom four with the lowest scores. Uh, California, New York, and Pennsylvania. Close. So bottom four we had were uh, Illinois, California, New Jersey, New York, and Philadelphia. All right, so I wasn't that bad. Yeah. Did I say New Jersey? Illinois, California, New Mexico, New York, D.C. was included in that, and then New Jersey. Yeah. So I think we can all look at kind of the commonalities of the bottom states and, and the top states, but... I think right now, you know, from a perspective of you look at what economies are, are doing the best and what economies aren't driving people out or what states aren't driving people out of their, uh, you know, their, their state, it's, it's all the red states yeah, that people were, always leave states, put, but we're talking about that put droves. people first, Yeah, you know, um, and, and didn't kind of create a, a false narrative that they were trying to protect the people, protect the business owners, protect the economies. Which just obviously, as we saw how those policies played out, it just it didn't do that. I uh, agreed. And, and all the stuff, it's still crazy still. Like when I go out and about and I see people wearing uh, like masks, it's like... I don't think that's going anywhere. No, but it's like now the people that told you to wear masks aren't even wearing masks, but you're still wearing masks. It's a little weird. But again, that's the best part about being in the United States. If those people want to walk around and wear a mask, they get they should do so, and they have the right to do so. They just shouldn't think that they can force me to to do what they what makes them feel comfortable because I can't do that. Because when they wear a mask, it makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> right. So we got a a little update on the market yeah. and some big stuff coming out over the course of the next couple of weeks. I want to start with this headline that I thought was interesting and you sure. and I were kind of going back and forth on it a little bit. Um coming out of fortune.com this week, recession shock. Bank of America is the latest major institution to deliver a grim warning for the future. And you and I kind of went back a little bit and I said, "Okay, well, what does that mean? We've been hearing recession talk for some time. We've been hearing an inverted yield curve. We've been seeing inflation and CPI, right? And kind of all of these variables. And, you know, we're still seeing the Biden administration continue to throw all kinds of money at foreign BS and not allocate it accordingly stateside. So 
is there a recession coming when we see big banks like this that are kind of talking about what's going on from their perspective, the resources and insights that they have? Is this something that we should be worried about? And what really is going to be the crystal ball that gives us a better idea of where the market is headed? Um, there definitely are more, I think the, the most level-headed response to save to the recession question right now that I get asked by clients and then, you know, listeners and stuff is, are, are the risks of a recession higher than they normally are? And the answer is yes, because of the things that you indicated. Uh, short-term yields should not be paying higher than long-term yields. That's a that's a short term issue that if it plays out long term could could show its ugly head. Um, inflation is still rising slowly but steadily, and we have a Fed that's becoming increasingly more hawkish, which in my opinion is the right move, but they should have maybe indicated that last year a little bit better. But I think they were afraid of of you know, the market taking a tumble like it is kind of doing now. Um, with all that being said, I think that, again, that nobody has a crystal ball, but we always go back to the root of what, what drives things or why things happened. And the thing that makes the stock market move or go up is earnings. Earnings season. There's a lot of... Uh, external pressures and forces that affect it, such as legislative risk, which is changing of laws, geopolitical risk, which is what we're seeing with wars going on internationally, Inf um, inflationary risk, which we are looking at right now with um, interest rates rising. But all of those risks would be systemic. And I want to make sure that everybody understands what systemic risk means. It means no matter how much you diversify or what you buy or where you are at invested, you will always have those risks present. So it's instead of trying to avoid them, it's better to be comfortable with them to certain degrees and levels and then move when those levels get out of whack. Um, the, one of the uh, central bankers came out yesterday and had said that she feels the same, kind of like what I'm saying. Like there is definitely some uh, recessionary indicators that are more present now than they were prior, no doubt. But anytime a market takes a dip or a tumble, every single time it happens, you hear the word recession. It's 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 like what it's almost like. When are we going to be right? Type deal. Um, it doesn't make sense in the near term, and I agree that earnings over the next couple of weeks are probably going to be moderately better than expected, which is going to drive people back into the stock market, which is going to make the market go up. If you have the market going up in the middle of a rate hike, that's going to make consumer sentiment calm down and, and ease the fears of investors with the stock market. So if those two happen in, in a coupling in parallel, I think that's going to be very positive us moving forward. I do think that it's going to be a grind up as far as making money this year and more aggressive investors should expect to make less than less aggressive investors. Um, but it's still going to be a good year to invest. Anytime the stock market's down and you're buying, it's always good. Mm -hmm. It's hard to kind of be a big boy or big girl investor and, and put that hat on and understand that. 
but buying while the market's down is exactly what you want to do if you're a long-term investor. I always tell my clients, I'm not a trader. I don't buy today to sell tomorrow. I invest. I buy today to sell in two to five years, maybe. I have to look at stuff for that trajectory. And it's it's hard to know what's going to make money tomorrow, just like it's hard to know what's going to make money in two years. Yeah. But it's a little bit more indicative to making money if you think long-term and easier to make money long-term, as long as you can stay emotionally uninvested in your assets that don't that you need to not, especially which is your money, especially. Yeah. So uh, 18 companies reporting this week, which are going to be mainly financials. Wednesday and Thursday are going to be big uh, earnings days. I have a feeling um, banks have been beaten up so much. I would assume that some of them are going to be positive, if not all. Um, next week, we have about 68 companies, I believe, reporting earnings. We got 15 this week, got 68 next week, and, and then we got 181 companies the week after. Yeah, and all these companies would be companies that comprise the S&P 500. So if you add that up, we got about half of the S&P 500 reporting earnings. When do the other... Throughout the year. Throughout the year, okay. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has a different fiscal year. Oh, okay, got it. So, so that's why yeah. that chunk is... This is their quarter one earnings. Got it. So this is Q1 earnings for okay. 2022 for that chunk of people. Um, I think, and I'm expecting as an, uh, a gross assessment that there's going to be moderately better than expected um, earnings reported from most companies, if not all. Not all won't happen. Most companies. Um that I think is going to be a really good catalyst. And then when that, while that's happening, we move into our third rate hike. Um, we do have uh, PPI and CPI, Consumer Price and Producer Price Index, which is inflationary indicator coming out this week. They're both projected to be higher. I anticipate they will be higher. Um, until we, we, When will we see any downward pressure on some of these things that are overly inflated? When interest rates get high enough, as weird as that sounds, that's what tames inflation is higher interest rates. Um, it's going to... Cost of money goes up, right? Yep. So people then are a little bit more frugal yep. with how they allocate the cost Correct. of the capital that they... Or how they allocate the capital that they have based on that cost. Yep. And therefore, right, we start to see some curbs in terms of less buying power or less people going after less goods, which then, right, that more people going after less goods, we see when the spikes the and demand, the jumps. Yeah, when you have inflation going up with demand, that's where the inflation will keep going. Correct. When you can curb the demand Correct. just a little bit, not like stop it. Yeah. It's stifling it. Just make it. people think a little bit more about, hmm, maybe you, I shouldn't buy this I'll, motor home. Hmm, I'll maybe give you I a hint. Buy. If, if every single day your company woke up and you only had 100 units of an item to sell, and if you were selling that item at $20 and it sold out every morning, you probably, and you couldn't keep up with that, you're going to you need the price up. You have to raise your price. It's price it, it drives demand. So when prices are going up and demand are, is going up, Although producers like that because they make a lot of money, the consumer loses out because their purchasing power is lost the second that they purchase because the next person that buys is going to buy it for more and more and more and more and more. So it, it, it erodes the value of that asset very quickly um, for the future person. Um, 
when you when you can kind of curb that demand, those producers will say, well, yeah, inflation is high, but we're not selling anything. So now we have to drop prices down so we can sell things, and we'll have to take we'll have to take less profits. We'll have to sh- we'll have to make our margins less. Yep. But they'll just have to figure out how to make money elsewhere. And I promise you, we've been here more times than on my toes and, and fingers, and we've made money, and we will get through it. It's called innovation. It's, it's, it's just called adaptation. Yeah. It's called pivoting. It's called evolution, right? Like we as companies, we as people, we find like one thing that is innate in us is we f- we're, we're, it's either survive or die, right? Yeah. So when we, and, and subconsciously, I don't think a lot of people, they don't connect the dots, right? But innately, they find ways to adapt and to pivot and, okay, that's costing more. So I need to probably buy less yep. or, hey, that is, you know, out of my means now. So let me, you know, board some of this cash a little bit closer to the chest and figure out what do I do next, right? So yep. it's like companies, human beings, whatever it may be. We have been trained subconsciously over the course of our life, whether it's through business, whether it's through just your own personal spending, that there's ebbs and flows to how these things work. The higher, not, the higher financial IQ and acumen you can build and actually know when and where we're at in certain markets cycles is going to give you the ability to go and navigate and anticipate how some of these things as the board game shuffles around a little bit, you need to play based on your own financial goals. And that's why we have these conversations, guys, is most people aren't talking about how to connect these dots. And of course, Ryan and I aren't always right. We don't have a crystal ball. But here's what I do know about a lot of people that I admire is winners... Winners in the stock market, winners in you know real estate investing, winners in general, winners anticipate. And in order to anticipate and be proactive, right? you got to look at all of the variables in the equation. If we're just talking about the wealth equation right now, right? understanding how all of these things interact together and how these dots connect is going to give you the ability to make the next best decision in terms of one, protecting downside or capturing upside. But most of the losers that I know are the ones that are constantly reacting Mm -hmm. and they're late to the party and they're really not doing the proper due diligence or really just work, putting in the time to understand these things to give yourself the best chance. So that's why Ryan does the free financial x-ray for so many of you who are leaning into your investment portfolio and going, What's going on right now? How do I pivot? How do I adapt? How do I react to what's going on in the market? That's why Ryan and his team do the free financial x-ray for you guys. And while we get dozens of people who take advantage of it each and every week. So if you haven't taken advantage of that and reached out to Ryan and his team, text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, volatility is the price you pay for building wealth. Yeah. And it's... it's I, I literally... If you, I don't know how it's so hard to grasp when you think about it. If you're buying an asset that got to a value that will eventually get back to that value, but it's down for right now, why would you not be happy? You just have to be patient because then you can anticipate how much money you'll be making. Yep. It's like, I, it's, again, it's why I have a job, so I got to be gracious. But it's, it's not 
overly complicated how to make money in the stock market. You literally just cannot, you can't sell your assets when the stock market is down. You have to pick an amount of risk that you're constantly willing to take and never go outside of it. If you're willing to risk 50% of your money, then you got to be willing to lose 50% of it and put money in and not think think about it. Yeah. And sometimes you got to be willing to lose more than 50%. I mean, I don't get, I always tell people, you know, like people are so willing to get instant gratification for things, but they're not willing to wait a year or two years or three years for their assets to rebound and then make them wealthy. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh, that's one downside of, right? The internet and the one click, you know, type of world we live in this instant gratification, right? But when you, if you've listened to the show, we've talked about crockpot microwave all day long when it comes to wealth building, just like it comes to that nice little dish, you know, that the crockpot produces versus the microwave, it takes time. There's constant, right? You know, execution of what the recipe requires to produce the best result. And, you know, everybody that wants this quick return of capital, those are the ones that are ultimately going to end up being the losers long-term because they're riding highs and riding lows. And that's where I think in terms of wealth building, you have to have this emotional discipline and you have to be able to manage your emotions because at the end of the day, we're all innately emotional human beings. Yep. But when it comes to your money, it has to be frameworks and foundational principles that just guide every single decision. The data drives the decision, right? Your plan drives the decision. And the market tells you at what point in time you may need to adjust your plan accordingly, but not right ride highs and lows of what the market is giving you from an emotional standpoint. Correct. Yeah. The the worst thing you can do with your money is make an emotional decision like if you're feeling bad or good, um, it's just not appropriate. It's it's just not what you do. It's almost like this: you don't make an important decision when you're drunk. It's, <laughs> it's because your emotional state of mind is out of whack. So, like, you may feel way too much one way. You have to be, you know, even keel, level headed. You have to be the same thing with your money. It's just people get emotionally drunk and they they sell or they buy or they put way too much money into one asset and then never take it out because I put all my money here and it worked. So I this worked. It isn't broke. So I'm not going to fix it. And that that doesn't apply to the stock market. I haven't made too many decisions in my life when I was hammered that ultimately turned out to be good ones, except for spitting game at my wife. That was the only one I like my, order, my pizzas, per- ordering pizza. My, my pizza oh, yeah. ordering game is always on Bro. fire when I'm drunk. Pizza game is always <laughs> on about fleek. Like, I know all the flavors I can put together. But I mean, beyond that. I've been arrested. I've been expelled from high school. Like pretty much all my bad decisions have happened. So yes, point of it, right, is, is to just ha- remove the emotion from the game of wealth building and to follow your disciplines, your frameworks, yep. right? having the right people around you on your team, absolutely important. Like there's been so many times where I read, read a headline. I'm like, fuck, Ryan, I got to do this. Like this is something, something bad's going to happen. You're like, hold on, let's talk about this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. That makes sense. Right. So we all are not exempt from being emotional humans, but that's where the beauty of who you're allowing one to influence you is critically important. Right. That headline, that newscaster, that podcast you listen to, mm-hmm. making sure that whoever those individuals or those things or people are 
that they are aligned with the goals and the outcomes that you're trying to, one, unlock, two, that you're aligned with their values, their track record, how they go about things. You know, having those people around you and your board of directors when it comes to your wealth building pillar, so critical. So that's why we offer our right commentary, why we love to connect and communicate with so many of you, being that we know, I know, shit, like I feel like I'm a relatively connected, you know, affluent person in terms of who I seek out, who I want to learn from. And these kind of conversations, which is why we do the podcast, are freaking like non-existent. Well, yeah, because people are scared to talk about it. Well, that and there's always a hook in when they talk about it. There's there's a the motive behind it. There's an incentive for that individual. We don't have any incentives. Like no. <laughs> we don't we we just want to talk about yeah. these things to sharpen our own axe and to help other people. And that's where, you know, obviously if you're watching one group or one podcast or one narrative or one, right, there's usually some, you know, motive behind what they're talking and where they're kind of steering emotionally yep. the individual and what decision they want you to make. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. That being said, I wanted to talk about comment, shout out to Tim, one of our listeners this week, put in uh, a couple, we get a lot of questions from you guys each and every week. And if you want to, sh- you know, uh, submit a question to the show and have us answer it, um, text, text that question to 844-447-1555. This week from Tim, he said, um, can you ask Ryan to explain his thesis that inflation means a good economy? Two thoughts on that. Jack Scott tweeted, Powell says U.S. inflation is higher than that of peers, reflecting that the country's economy is stronger. So by Powell's logic, Venezuela, which had a 686% annual inflation in 2021, according to that logic, is a super strong economy. What are your thoughts around that? Well... I don't have a thesis. I never had a thesis just to make sure I clarify things. I never said that inflation 
is indicative of a good economy? I said, interest rates, which is not the same thing. They both start with an I, but that's where they start to divulge from there. Um, Diverge, excuse me. Uh, Inflation is the cost of goods and services going up and your purchasing power eroding for a simple way to understand it. And I would not ever say that inflation is a good sign, is, is good for an economy. Inflation is going to happen with rising interest rates as a natural, because interest rates are going up, so cost of goods is, is going to go up with it. But uh, runaway inflation or hyperinflation, which is what we're dealing with in Venezuela, well, yeah, which is what they're dealing with and, and are stuck in, or Zimbabwe, for another good example, is not is not a good example. I think that you are misunderstood because nobody, I know all the people you're referencing and nobody is saying that. So this again is why you have to be careful where you get your information from. Um, I'll add on to that, which what I, what I did say, which is rising interest rates is indicative of a healthy economy. It is. And you may go ask any economist that. The reason that they can afford to raise interest rates is because the underlying economy is healthy. What's going on right now is we have inflation and demand moving in, like you said, parallel. And those can't move in parallel for eternity or else... For very long. Yeah, or, or else, trust me, inflation will win. The, the consumer will hit a level of diminishing returns a lot quicker than inflation will. So... What needs to happen is inflation needs to curb itself by having demand being curbed so it can pull itself down. And that's a tricky tightrope to walk because if you curb it too hard, you'll cause a recession. And that's what people are talking about here with uh, the recession worries. I think the Fed has enough tools in its tool belt to deploy that I'm not really terribly worried of it. And they've proven themselves minus calling, you know, we can't say that anybody's perfect. He's saying that inflation was transitory was not correct. Yeah. Um, but I'm not it's gonna I'm not gonna sticky. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat them over the head for that. Nobody's perfect. Um I think they're gonna be able to get the inflation thing kind of curbed here. I think earnings will will make people money. That money will get back put into the the market. People will be a little bit more hold their money a little more close to chest. I think those kind of things will help. Um, I think that's also one hundred percent needed at this stage and season of where we're at. Agreed. Like, well, the thing that's going to naturally happen is the housing market's going to naturally cool. It, it and it's not even by people's choice. You will be statistically forced to not buy a house. And when, when interest rates go up by 1%, that kicks you so hard in the purchasing power pocket, it's not even funny. I mean, it can take somebody from having a loan cap of 500000 down to four hundred twenty-five just by 1% rise in interest rate. They may not be able to afford that home now. Um, now, because interest rate's higher, they now have to put down a higher down payment to keep the interest rate they're at. Now they can't put that down payment. So there's all these things that go against it. So that's naturally going to happen in the housing market. And as we see that happening, what's starting to rise? Inventory. There's starting to be more inventory and less people are going to be able to buy it. So you're going to see it start cooling there. And it's starting right 
right in those uh, in the midst of Q2. I still think that housing is going to do fine and it will continue to do moderately well for the long term. But I am sticking to my guns and calling a, a severe cooling in the real estate market as far as annualized return on assets. Uh, definitely by the end of this year, moving into 2023, if not sooner. And then that, that right there, people are going to get a big shocker because when they go out to buy the most expensive thing they're ever going to purchase in their life, likely, which is a home, that's going to make them feel like they need to save more money. So they're going to stop, start spending, on, stop spending money on cyclical items. They're not going to go out to eat as much. They're not going to buy as many vacations. That's going to all help pull this back into an area that is more reasonable. Um, I won't, I, time will give me more areas where that's going to help. I think that travel is going to be a big, a big area where some money is going to go. Airline stocks are beating the hell up. Um, if you believe in the travel reopening story, which I do to a degree, um, I'm going on one, two, three trips in the next 45 days. Um, I think that a lot of money that's sitting on the side of them will find a place to go for the next five to 10 years and airline stocks trading at 30, 20, $40 a share when they're at 300, 400, $500 a share pre pandemic. Those are just begging to be picked up. Um, you have though inflationary pressures going against them right now, which Mm -hmm. is fuel costs. Yep. Um, COVID stuff going around still. So all of this stuff is still panning itself out and will, and will need time, but it's an interesting place to be. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to be retiring last year, but I definitely wouldn't want to be retiring this year. If I was uh, an investor, it'd be a very tricky, um, tricky kind of area to navigate. Not something you can't do, something we do all the time for our clients. It's just, how would you feel when you're retiring if it's now versus you know feeling like we're coming out of a pandemic yeah, last year? It's real. just the feeling of it. Well, Ray Dalio said, some people make the mistake of thinking that they are getting richer because they are seeing their assets go up in value mm-hmm. without seeing how their buying power is being eroded. There isn't an individual organization, country, or empire that hasn't failed when it lost its buying power, he wrote. To be successful, one must earn an amount that is at least equal to the amount one spends. And I think that's the argument we're seeing a lot of people make or feel, right? Is they're outspending what they're earning. I don't even know how you can do that. Affordability, which is crazy. Like, I mean, dude, I know a lot of people that I'm like, I know how much you make, or I know the range of what you make. And then I see what you're buying, motorhomes, houses, like houses that are way beyond what you should be buying and living in. Right. And so I think coming back to what you said is as we see inflation continue to creep and we see interest rates continue to go up, like people need to come back down to earth and realize that there is a responsibility to your spending. Yes. That ultimately, if we go back historically and look at all of the corrections or all of the crashes or all of the issues, a lot of the underlying root of many of these things, at least some of these dominoes, one big domino was people outspending what they're actually earning. Correct. And um, that's, that's unfortunately... Um, an epidemic. Yeah, it's going to happen no matter what, yeah. right? It's it's called a lack of financial IQ, yeah. financial literacy. So 
what am I getting at right now? If you're one of those people, tighten your shit up right now. And if you're not one of those people, applause to you. That also means, right, that sometimes when winter is coming, you got to get your house in order and be ready for opportunity that we know is going to be out there. Correct. Right? I'll give you guys some quick statistics. Housing inventory is up 2.3% week over week, right? And that was also up the previous week over week. So we're up 8.3% from the seasonal bottom. Days on market, at least right now, or what we would consider the absorption rate, median days on market is at 17 days versus the 23-day uh, on market, you know, year over year. So again, I think weather. I know this is weird, but we've had very dry weather. I think I've heard that that's skewing that number yeah, pretty I mean, aggressively. It, it could be for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we're starting to, right? I've always said, pay attention to at least in the real estate world, the variables that kind of give you somewhat of the crystal ball. Right? You focus on earnings and CPI mm-hmm. and you know, housing starts and all of the stuff that you guys look at in the financial world to give you a little bit of a, you know, trending. It's going in this direction. We think it's going to do this. Therefore, we skate to where we think the puck is going. Well, where we think the puck is going is that there's going to be a cooling in the real estate market, but there's not going to be this massive correction. But at the end of the day, people's buying power in the real estate world with rates going up and inflation still remaining what it is to ultimately show that we're going to probably see the market start to level out a little bit, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think at the end of the day, we still need for people to understand that there could be some stuff that happens that shake out some potential, you know, people that were living beyond their means. And I think it's going to create some opportunities for people that have their shit in in order. And I want you guys to be one of those individuals because I know for me right now, I'm sitting on more cash than I've sat on before. And I don't like necessarily, you know, touting that. But I also know that I'm very bankable right now. My balance sheet looks good. Lenders like me. So, you know, at the end of the day, when things tighten up, you know, it's going to be the people that are financially sound and have their, you know, financials dialed in from an accounting perspective and that have, you know, all of the dead weight or bad debt or, you know, fat ultimately trimmed. So you're looking like a juicy piece of meat for when Mm -hmm. opportunity presents itself. You want to be able to go to a bank and get a loan or, right, you want to be able to pull down on assets that you've got. Like you don't want to be stuck being reactive when opportunity presents itself. And in the next one to three years, I think there's going to be some great buying opportunities in real estate specifically. I know that you're very bullish on what's going to go on in the stock market. And so talking about what that holistic approach looks like, you know, I'm pumping more money into my life insurance. I'm opening up another Roth with you. We're going to be doing more stuff, you know, on the financial side of things, but that's pairing very nicely, you know, when what's going on right now with things being low in the stock market, it might be a good time to throw more money into the financial markets. Always good when it's down. I don't have a crystal ball. People are like, should I dump it in or should I? I always tell people, I just boost up my monthly deposits. That way I can not try to act like I know what the market's going to do, but I can act like I understand what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's down. I don't know when it's going to bottom. 
So why don't I just increase my monthly contributions to my account? So that's what I normally, hey, I got a hundred grand. All right, well, let's put 50 in and then let's increase your, let's put that 50, other 50 grand over the next six months. You yeah. know, there, there's a lot of that going on for my clients right now. And it's, it's because when you buy like this, like everybody that bought through 2008, 2009 made no money. And then if they in ask, nine, ask them right now how much they have, I yeah, mean, they've, in they've, hindsight, looking they've at what quadrupled they their account values. Yeah. You just have to, you have to buy through the downtimes. I, well, I stress and, it so much because it's literally that simple. But if you can not freak out and put $10 in and have $8 tomorrow and know you have 80 in five years, it's fine. Right. I was going to say, if you look at the overall timeline, you know, we see peaks and valleys in these short-term windows, but when you look at the overall timeline, it's, it's, it's always up. Yep. It's, a it's always up with everything that you see. Yep. So I think, you know, of course you can't go wrong with real estate right now. I mean, no. especially in, you know, the climate that we're in right now. And I think if anything that has come out of this pandemic for real estate vertical of an investment vehicle as a whole, it has reaffirmed the importance and you know the security of housing being a long term there is no lifespan on this asset class you cannot lose in it if you hold it long term you buy it right you operate it soundly and i know the people i know people that are idiots making hand over fist in real estate cuz they were dumb enough just to get into it they operating it poorly but the difference, the fork in the road is going to be is those people who got in, they're going to win. They're going to win for sure. But then there's going to be a good chunk of those people who, because they don't understand how to, one, operate an asset properly, and two, understand what the market is giving you at certain parts of that timeline, they will get caught in a storm. Mm-hmm. And if they can't weather that storm, they're going to have to sell. Yep. And every person that I know that you know, has real wealth is like, the only regrets I have in buying real estate is that I sold it. And it's usually in times of turmoil. So be ready for certain turbulent seasons over the course of the next couple years, operate your assets soundly, have the fat, you know, trimmed, right? Lean out your expenses, do what you can do to make that asset as valuable and profitable as possible. And whether those storms buy through the challenges because there's going to be people that can't weather the storm that mm-hmm. didn't have their financial house in order. And they're going to go, shit, I made some money because I was in real estate. The only bargaining chip I got left is the equity I have in this thing. So yeah, I guess I'm going to have to pay some taxes, but at least I can get, you know, get my, uh, my financial security back. And that's going to create some buying opportunity for people like me and for people like you and for people right that are out there looking for those types of opportunities when they present themselves. And they're going to be out there. So keep track of what do we got with inventory? Where's it trending? Where are days on market? What is the average price per square foot in your market look like? Right? And ultimately, if you can start to at least keep wind of what certain, you know, data variables in your particular market or your particular asset class where they're trending, that's going to give you the ability to again, winners anticipate, losers react. We can at least start to anticipate where we think some of these things are going to be yep. and at least get yourself in a position to, if you want to pull the trigger, you have the ability to do so. Yep. It's got to be there. You have to be able to have the opportunity to take the shot to make it. Yep. Absolutely. 
So with that being said, guys, we love and appreciate each and every one of you for listening every single week. I'm not going to lie. We've been hearing some major wins financially for a lot of you. Mm -hmm. I hear all kinds of new cool things that you guys are working on every single week. Great questions. If you got a question that you want us to answer on the show, text us at 844-447-1555. If you haven't taken advantage of the free financial x-ray that Ryan and his team can do on your investment portfolio, text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. If you want to get in on any of my syndications, hotels, multifamily, text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. You do need to be an accredited investor to get in on our deals. With that being said, I love connecting with you guys and understanding what your investing goals are. Shout out to all the people that have set up and scheduled appointments with Ryan and myself. Um, Man, like I've been meeting some amazingly cool and savvy and smart people and our our community just continues to expand and grow. We've broken uh, three and a half million downloads on the podcast, um, which is pretty exciting and uh, continue to stay in the top 200 um, all because of your amazing listenership. So don't forget to leave a five-star review, hit that subscribe button, share this episode with a friend, a family member. And with that being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to that million dollar milestone and beyond. And we'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.